I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good Sunday, football fans, and welcome to the weekend wrap from Fully Prime Podcast. Uh, a busy weekend, lots to get to. I'm James Sharman. Craig Forrest joins me, and back from his travels in Costa Rica is Brendan Dunlop, looking a little more tan than usual. B, how was the trip? Uh, I'm only a little more tan, so I guess good, but not great. I, I should have been more tan. I would have liked to have been more drunk. And it was uh, it was hot as hell, Forrest. I thought I was going to see the rainforest. It was scalded. I, I didn't get any, I got some, you know, wildlife experience. There were some monkeys in that, but chose a green part of the country and uh, was, wasn't very green. I bet you the bugs were just bugging you. To be honest, the, the bugs were n- non-existent, which was great. It was really? too hot. For the, it was too hot for the bugs. Yeah. Did you have like a, a 70 sunblock on? <laughs> no, but I, uh, the wife likes the 50. She's, she's, she's worried about my, uh, you know, my long-term health. So. Yeah. Because you, you, you really, Inherited well, the, the British side of the family's skin pigmentation, right? Not the Portuguese side of the family. I'm mildly olive. No, no. I th- I, th- I think like I get no. a good summer color. No, you're not. Yeah, you, but yeah, you get good tan, sure. But generally speaking, you have you know British pigmentation. I think quite pasty. Okay. Yeah. I I use a lot of uh, I use a lot of you know. <laughs> He's not happy about this, is he, Craig? He hates to hear this. No, 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 I'm no, I'm aware. aware. He wants olive. He does. You want to be all of no. <laughs> Only Dickio and Wonga have pigmentation on this show. Okay, I did bring you guys a, a gift back though. I brought oh, yeah? you back you uh, some some cookies. Uh, they're oh, called. Uh, now. I'll show, hold them up here. They're called uh, Crema Pozuelos. I thought it was fitting. Uh, but <laughs> why is Whoa, that bag open? I could I could go down a route there. I'm not going to go there, but yeah. No, no, just Pozuelo. But that fitting because Pozuelo. Um, but they're not going to make it to you guys because I've not seen you for what since the, before Omicron, uh, and I'm halfway through the bag. So I was going to say they're open. Them. They're good though. Just crazy. Pozuelo doesn't sound great. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> TFC don't look great from what I saw either, buddy. No, no, far from it. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, did he drag the missus out to any Costa Rican first division football matches? I thought about it. There was a team uh, not too far away that uh, has a 3,000-seat stadium. They play in the top flight. I thought, this is a recipe for disaster. So, no, didn't uh, 
Didn't trek out there. Where, where's the one country, Craig, in, in that part of the world that you would like to watch a soccer match? I mean, obviously you played in many down there, but actually as a fan, taking the atmosphere, is it somewhere? Don't say Mexico, we'll get to that tragedy. <laughs> we think that's what it was anyway, uh, late in the show today as well, but anywhere else? Um, depends on what you're looking for, Charms. The whole experience, not just the great football. I want the cultural experience. If you want to go, if you want to go with your your wife to a football game, where Danny was just at the three thousand seat stadium in Costa Rica, probably a nice safe choice to go uh, to see a football match for experience. Mm. To Gusagalpa would be a a Central American experience to uh, to uh, never forget. Where's that? Honduras. 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 Guchigalpa. That's the stadium that they used to play in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before they went yeah. to San Pedro Sula. Yeah. Um, in Costa Rica, I would love to go to see Saprisa. I, I would like to see like a big derby in San Jose, but I wasn't anywhere near San Jose. Um, my thought for the 3000 seater was that if it was going to be feisty or if the fan base was as passionate as the rest of the region, that it would just be ultras. That was my, that was my deterrent with the smaller stadium. Hmm. Yeah, would a smaller stadium be more intense? Because there's not as many regular mainstream fans. They're just the hardcore ultras. That's a good question. Not a 3,000. <laughs> not a 3,000. Charms, have you, have you watched a game through stained hockey glass or barbed wire tops or fences? I've, I've done it um, twice in Chile. No, I haven't. I haven't. Done, well, I'm trying to think. No, the, the closest was the 80s in England just with the, yeah. the, the uh, fences. I took the wife to the Copa America in Chile in 2015, and we saw um, Colombia and Brazil. And great seats uh, were like at the uh, 18-yard box and 12 rows back maybe. But my eyeline was right at the top of this barbed wire like fence that was on top of plexiglass, like hockey plexiglass that was 20 feet high, the entire perimeter of the pitch. It was wild. And it was like a penned area. There was only like two sections that were accessible to, to where we were. It was an uh, experience unlike any other. I'm going to say you were still though able to just sink, let, let the fact that you're watching Colombia, Brazil sink in a little bit. That's pretty impressive. I mean, there was nothing like watching Neymar like through dirty hockey glass in the <laughs> capital of Chile. Yeah, it was pretty special against Hamas and Falcao. Well. You know who did not enjoy the uh, the sightlines today was Sir Alex Ferguson, who made the big trip to the Etihad to watch the derby. Man City smashed United 4-1, um, a game of two halves. First half, decent game of football. United looked half decent, had their moments, eh, Craig? But the second half, absolutely pathetic. Again, they can't play 90 minutes. Yeah. And, no. it, I mean, Roy Keane said they, they quit. They just quit on, on, on themselves. Is that something that you saw? Um, yes, a little bit, for sure. Uh, I, can, I can go with that. I think it's uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's age. He probably thinks they won four one, so I wouldn't worry too much about him. <laughs> what are you saying, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> he is looking old, though. He's looking old. Well, he is. Old. Yeah, he is. He's been around an awful long time. He, I mean, he, he must be just embarrassed, right? And thinking, what happened? You know, the team and the culture of a club that I built over twenty years at that club. Like, where is it now? Where is the goddamn leadership? Mm-hmm. Where is the the effort, the the character, as Keane kept saying post-match? There's no character on this team because mm-hmm. it was 4-1, but it, it felt like a 5-1 or a 
Yeah. The way that you, you know what's interesting? You, you talk about character charms, and is you you listen to Neville, who's uh, does a lot of uh, broadcasting and very outspoken, passionate about the club, keen the same way, schools the same way. Like you know what I mean? Like they are absolutely to the core Manchester United, and those characters don't exist in that team. Not not yeah. today. They're just not there. No, not, there's, no, there's no one that, and I know Ronaldo wasn't there today, injured, although there was some speculation about what the story there is be, but I don't think he would have made much difference there today either. I think, I think he would have made a bit of a difference. I do think that like, in, think about the matches in which we've thought they were poor. Did you ever think their effort was as weak as it was in this match? I know you guys are expecting me to come to these defense, but really. <laughs> you would have scored a hat trick. No, you I just didn't, didn't, you just I didn't did. say that. I think I think that they would have I think they would have put up much more of a fight and I think you would have for all the criticism for these ex greats that you know Skulls used to be kind of t- tight lipped I don't he's not he's not trying to get clicks he's not looking for a pay bump I think he's truly speaking from the heart and he is d- just devastated watching his beloved team be as poor as they've been. And he was very, very critical of Renyek. I know he has kind of been before, but after this game, especially, he started with, look, tactically, there's nothing that, you know, he could have done differently, but let's be honest, he shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not got the pedigree to manage in matches like this, and this is a great example why this team's mm-hmm. not fighting for him, and it was just, he was just attacking him, and he kept saying, like, you know, when they get the manager right, when they get the manager right, then things will be better. Then they can return to the Fergie United of old. But, I mean, isn't it about recruitment? Isn't that what we've said a couple of cycles ago? We said, look, they got the recruitment right now, and they've they've backed Ali. They went and spent a bunch of money. They spent 130 million on Maguire and Juan Basaka alone. Are those two not? Have they not replaced Fred and Pogba as the most criticized players right now? Mm-hmm. United players, to me, yeah, they 100%. have. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this goal just goes a wall on the whole bunch of things, but. He was also in favor of Ole, right? He was a big supporter of his because he was a friend of his and he wanted him to do well and he wanted to give him a long leash and on and on. But um, I want you asked me what you think Alex Ferguson thinks. I, I don't know. It all just depends on whether or not he's a pessimistic person or optimistic because, you know, they're going to get it right eventually. They're, they will. Um, but it just seems to be taking an awful long time since he left the club. Although we knew they were in that transition when he left the club, they still have not even, it just seemed to be in a constant rotation of transition and managers. And uh, like I said, I think they will get it right eventually, but uh, uh, they're far from Man City right now, aren't they? I mean, what an absolute display. You know, it is demoralizing as a player, even good players in Man United. I mean, they're full of good players. Let's not kid ourselves. And you're you're just chasing shadows and you're getting Olaid. Olaid. Like, it's just the worst. And it was uh, it was really, really something. And uh, I thought Man City were spectacular, really, in the second half. They were, they were. They were fantastic. And then a large part of today's result was their performance in that second half. They stepped it up. Right, there's no doubt from that first half, and you know he couldn't keep up. But it's the effort, I think, is what really grinds the Paul Scholes and the Nevilles and and the Keens. The effort wasn't there. You see these guys standing still. You see Fred standing still, watching. You know, panic in the box when his job is to defend, and he's not doing it. You know, so I, I think you could put Pep in charge of this team, and with these players right now, it's not going to work. 
there's a mishmash. There's no, there's no camaraderie. It's just been built poorly, I think. And, you know, Rennie will take the fall for this, I'm sure. But even if they bring in Potch or Ten Hag, whoever it's going to be, you know, with these players, that there's big issues, I think. And, and that is the major problem. I mean, we can criticize tactics. I mean, Christ, wasn't it Fernandez and Pogba were up front today? Yeah. Right? I mean, what the hell? The two midfielders yeah. playing up front. It didn't make any sense and it didn't work. Well, neither did the four-two-two-two formation that he was running with at the beginning either, right? Right. So I think exactly. this is where this is where you know the people that had thought, given him a bit of the benefit of the doubt, and thought, okay, you prove it. Like you've earned enough to walk in the door here, and we think you can you can do the job. Prove it. And he's not won these people over whatsoever. They're not seeing any improvement, and the things that riled Keenan Skulls up before are even worse without Ronaldo being there. I'm not saying he's fixed it all, but I do think that it really was evident. I, I really, I would, you know, we'll never know. But we I don't know, think you're right. We won't know. We can speculate. If Ronaldo's in there. We they don't still know how they'd have fared if he played today. You're they right. They still lose. He might have quit. Ronaldo might have quit the team. Given, given <laughs> what we've seen so far this season with him on the field, I don't see too much difference in their performance today because they haven't put in 90 minutes all year no. with him or without him. You know what I was thinking today watching this game, though? What if he had signed with City? <laughs> Right, because what was the what was this the story leading up to it? Was it did Pep just get short in the press conference or something? But it was about not having a number nine. And he said, "Well, if we do buy a big number nine, you'll criticize me for spending money on a number nine. We play without a number nine. You criticize me for not having a number nine. And I thought, Jesus, imagine if that happened. Imagine if he'd he'd gone there instead. Where where would they be? Would they be sixteen points clear? Would oh, he be benched? Would they be a mess? Back. Could be, yeah." I, I, you know, if he'd gone there, it would be because Pep convinced him that you're not starting each game. You're going to come off the yeah. bench and, and affect games, and he would affect games off the bench. And maybe he should have done that because he could have still scored a lot of goals. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be winning a championship this year, probably. Yeah, but on the other hand, you know, uh, being liked by the Manchester United fans long term uh, might have been important to him that. Now, if I went back to the Premier League, I was only going to go back to Manchester United, win, lose, or draw. I, uh, if that's the case, or whether he's sitting inside his place <laughs> wondering, oh, I should have done that. But uh, good for him for going to United. Yeah, but is he, what's he going to do next season? Because when he went to United, we, you know, Deitch thought it was a mess and it was going to set back the younger players. And I argued that, you know, they'd be better five years down the road. They'd be better because of two years with him. Mm. And now I have a tough time picturing Ronaldo being back next year. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's leaving. I don't know where he's going. I have no clue. Maybe MLS. Maybe it's yeah. time for MLS. Is Ronaldo at Austin FC or one of these new St. Louis, one of these new teams? You know what? Who cares where he ends up? I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way. This guy has done everything. He's been, he made his debut for Manchester United a thousand years ago. And he's come back to the club. You know, he has been injury-free for, you know, the mass majority of his career. He's been incredible for two decades. It's good for him, no matter what he does. Because the listeners are going to skewer me specifically for coming on the show, and we've just spent seven minutes talking about the player. Well, that's why I kind of backed you. Out. I thought I'd say that, and for, for so you don't get hammered. We've already upset our Burnley fans on our Twitter. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did that well, on purpose. I'll, I'll, I'll say this: that you know, you talk about the young players and how they haven't really developed this season, right? Rashford's on the bench, despite Ronaldo being out. Uh, despite mm-hmm. Cavani being out, Greenwood's obviously out, and, and Rashford still can't get a start. I mean, Christ, what's happened to his career? It's wild. 
It's a real I, shame because, yeah, yeah, great guy. And we all agree he's a great guy doing amazing things off the field. But he should have been a superstar at this point, And he just isn't. But is that, could that be, is that Renick now? Do you think? Oh, well, we didn't start the season well. Didn't play well last year. You know? No, he didn't finish last season great. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, that that's, he puzzles me. Craig? Everybody expected him to be, yeah, to take that level. And I, and I certainly hope he does. I can, I he really still do. might, yeah. And he, and he might. Um, and under the right coach and leadership, maybe he, he will be that guy. But there is a worry that um, he might not turn out to be uh, the player long-term that we thought he was going to be. Well, let's go quickly through their starting 11 today, right? And just what your thoughts are. Where are these guys? Are, are they actually world-class players? Are they players that on a different team would, would be, you know, scoring for fun, being being stars? Or are they just not very good, right? So let's start and go. David De Gea, for me, might be actually the goalkeeper of the season. Do you agree with oh, that? Yeah, he's been brilliant. He's been amazing. He he's faces tons of shots. He keeps them in games, keeps the score down. Today he was great again. I thought he made some very, very good saves and solid as heck. Yeah. So if there's one, and he was actually on social media, which is interesting. Most of those guys are real happy to go on social media when it's, they're doing well, but he actually went on and, you know, said that we'll keep fighting. We'll keep playing. We'll work as hard as we can to get it right next time. So, uh, he's got nothing to worry about there. But as far as you, you can go through the whole list, and I wouldn't say there's any world class. Maybe Paul Pogba. Other than him. On the right team. Pogba, yeah, and when he wants to on the French team, yeah. 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 I would say four, to him, Back four, Telles, Maguire, Lindelof, and Juan Bissaka. No. Jesus. Maguire is pipped to be world class. Uh, he was very good. At Leicester, he's not been able to, I think, take the next step. He's not captain material. He could be, you know, a very good England defender. Um, but so, so was Gary Cahill. And I think that, you know, that's probably more of his ilk, right? Uh, and we've just put a lot of expectation and, and weight on him very, very early at, at a big club because they want it. I think De Gea is world class. I think it's this match is 6-1 on Sunday, if not for De Gea between the yeah, six. Could well be. Yeah. Oh, no, None of those other defenders. Yeah. None of the Lindelof, but you know, Bayi, they're they're some of them are good, um, but a lot of them are you know struggling to get into the starting 11s of the other Champions League teams in the Premier League. Yeah, right they're, they're not what we expect a United player to be, right? And we've kind of, and maybe it's unfair, but in our head still, we think of the great Fergie teams, you know, and, and the standard. And, and Maguire has become the scapegoat. I, I do feel bad for the guy. It's not all his fault, but he's had some big profile mistakes. And as a captain, he's got a shoulder, I suppose. But yeah. I still think if he went to another club, he could be really effective. And, <laughs> and maybe it's time. You know, if they clean house this summer, which I think they have to do, maybe you start with the captain and, and go from there. Um, you look at the midfield today, Fred and McTominay. I mean, Fred, again, he's not a bad player, but he's not of this quality. Scott McTominay, I think he generally puts a shift in. He he, yeah. he spoke post-match. I give him credit for that, right? I don't mind Scott McTominay, but he's, I don't know. He's just, he's again, not, a United standard player from what I expect. Not as a starter. Remember when Tom Cleverley was getting minutes and it seemed like, oh, could could he be changing the perspective of what a United player is? Because he seems like, you know, a really good player, really puts a shift in, very well liked from mm-hmm. everyone. But I think if that's the standard across the board, like there's a few guys that can tick that box. But if that's like across the board and now they become staples, like McTominay is regularly on the team sheet, cleverly never quite got there, right? I think that's that's the issue. Of all the looking for the defenders and now into the midfield, honestly, I think Luke Shaw is the only one I'd say is like, yeah, that's a United guy. 
Mm-hmm. That's the United yeah, player. But, but he bounced back from from his career crashing under Mourinho. But yeah, I, I agree with you. He's very good. Really good. good. Yeah. I wonder though, you, you comparing against the level they're trying to get to, Man City. Is there anybody? I mean, they're going to stick with the goalkeeper they got as well. There would be. Is there yeah. anybody in the Man U that would actually get in the starting lineup? Great question. I mean, Bruno Manchester. Fernandez is good. He'd be a squad player for sure, but he wouldn't be a starter, I don't think. He'd be another Mares, right? Or yeah, David Silva, yeah, exactly. Or Gundogan. Gundogan is is a guy who used to frustrate me from as a fantasy team player because every time <laughs> yeah. he was healthy, he'd get right back in the squad immediately. But he was mm-hmm. never healthy, and so you never you never knew, and you couldn't never really anticipate when you were going to have him or not have him. It was the anniversary of our nine nil uh, thrashing, I guess, the other day. Um, somebody, somebody said they had uh, on Twitter said they had w- John Wark in their fantasy pool. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, better than me, I guess. But hey, Craig, I saw the highlights because I saw someone tweeted that and they showed the goals. And I tell you what, man, you you tried really hard. You did. I mean, Cole, to be fair, Andy, throwing your body around. Andy Cole, if you guys, where you see where he scores from, mm. you'd fancy your chances to knock a couple of those in you too, right? Yeah. It was oh, yeah. save, goal, crossbar, goal. Frankie Yallop getting spun from three yards out. It wasn't on you. Those Rudy nine Bowler, goals were not Rudy on you. Rudy Bowler did that to him too. <laughs> Rudy Bowler? Yeah, when we were playing against Germany, Rudy Bowler, exactly the same thing. Frankie's right behind him, spins him. Boom. Top corner. Frankie, come on. You've got to be stronger. you got to be stronger. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Our old manager used to say, he goes, fucking Frank, he's, a, he's the only guy I know he gets smaller at the back post when he jumps. <laughs> he goes like a turtle. <laughs> Craig, what, what's the longest period of time in your life that you've gone without someone asking you about 9-0? Is it a month? Is it... Is it three weeks? Is it? Have you ever gone six months without someone asking you about it? Oh no, no! Because every game, if it's four nil after half an hour or five nil at halftime, the tweets, bzz, 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 yeah, the phone's going crazy. <laughs> it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Hey, and it did. And, and that was a case when I mean, let's face it, still happens. Lost nine nil at home twice, didn't they? Do, was it away once? I think once, yeah. But I mean, nine nil at home. Yeah, and it was, I can't remember who it was against, but it, uh, who was it against? It wasn't. Uh, oh Christ! It was like two years ago. How do we not know this? It was, it was both, both of these have happened with Hassan Hoodle as the boss. Yeah, they stuck with him. Yeah, shows. I, I think Liverpool was one of them. Was that not at Anfield? No, or? it wasn't Liverpool. It wasn't Liverpool. Uh, no, I think City did it once. Interesting uh, okay, though. So Hassel, Leicester, Leicester did it. Hasselhoff got thumped again. Like they, they're susceptible to a big, a bit of a thrashing, right? I mean, it Villa was, beat him four. It was yeah. um, so. It was South. It was uh, Leicester, and it was United. That's right, Leicester. Leicester one was at home, right? No, no. Yeah, were they Let's both see. at home? Uh, Leicester was at home. Sorry, no. Leicester was uh, yes, yes, correct. Southampton yeah. nil, Leicester nine. Yeah. yeah. And then the United game was at United. <laughs> I I sell it as way worse anyway. It is though, isn't it? It's, I never lost anything more than five. I don't remember even losing five at home ever. It's definitely worse at home. Definitely worse with home. Um, of course. Yeah. I mean, Mike, I mean, at what point did the fans start leaving? I mean, even the most diehard <laughs> fans have to at six or seven say, okay, enough's enough. 
No, that's when you stay there because you're you're going to watch history. Oh, <laughs> that's true. We might see the first tenor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You might as well hope for it at that point. Like absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like when the Jays were shit, never a pit. Whenever a pitcher got in a good run into like the seventh inning, and everyone would stay because they wanted to be there to witness history. Right? People would show. We used to leave the score in the seventh inning just to. Well, Christ, be you were there. You were there in Cleveland with me, right? I was and not there in Cleveland. You weren't there. Okay, no, you I weren't there. It. And this game was going to like the 14th inning and we were staying, A, because I was around a bunch of goddamn baseball nerds, but secondly, because they thought they might see history being made, the longest baseball game ever. On my birthday, April the 5th. <laughs> what was that, 2000 and I don't know what it was, 14 or Wait, something? Well, what's the record? Like, like it's still, I think 17 innings, wasn't it? Yeah, was the record. Still a ways to close go. To, maybe more than that. No, I think they did 21 innings recently. Did they? 21 yeah. innings, yeah. Yeah, there was, yeah, I think there was, yeah. I can't think of a worse sport to watch a record longevity length record being smashed. You know, inter- really, it's, it's interesting that in baseball, like a lot of Americans, they, they'll slag off football because, oh, there's not enough scoring and so on, and whatever. And yet they will absolutely go crazy over a no-hitter. <laughs> yeah fuck all happens for all afternoon for three hours and they go crazy they think it's brilliant yeah, because you know they can I mean? appreciate they but i think they can isolate and appreciate the skill that it takes that a, a pitcher with five pitches in his arsenal can run through 120 130 pitches if not more and no one can solve them i think that's why they they can simplify the brilliance oh no i understand it but I also understand when you see a great football match that also means very good defending, I can appreciate that. Well, last Sunday, and, last Sunday, right? The, the Caribou Cup final. Oh, great match. Great nil-nil match. Best ever, maybe. Yeah, maybe the best ever nil-nil. It was fantastic. had everything, right? You, you yeah. missed that, but it was absolutely, it was the most compelling viewing. Um, it was chances, both teams going at it, denied by great goalkeeping. Great defending, and then and, and then and this far. almost perfect penalty shootout. I saw oh. the I saw the pens on Sports Center. Um, I, w- I was a big fan of uh, ESPN Deportes. Everything is more dramatic. So yeah, La Final de Carabao Cup. That was a big deal. Um, no kidding, Kepa, not a keeper. Yikes! Yeah, yeah uh, back to Southampton. Best ten minutes boys. ever. Back to Southampton. Um, so they lost to Villa four 0 this weekend, and they've been playing so well. It came out of nowhere. Maybe the the result of the weekend. I think that probably was. It's fair to say. And your boy Coutinho B, was absolutely at his very very best, wasn't he? That was a really good game. It was a good game, and I mean, we knew that he's had that level, and he's shown it in glimpses. I think this is kind of the most consistent form. Um, I think it was you, Charms, that thought said to me, you know, 17 games, this is just going to be a wash. You know, Villa's not going to be able to push on from this and they'll be lucky to for, for him to play 17 games, right? But I really do think, you know, and look, they're not going <laughs> to get a European place. We're not looking at the Conference League. But I mean, they really needed this result at this time. And I would be stunned if they're not 10th or 9th to finish the season. They're not a top half mm-hmm. of the table team. And I think that, you know, they that ground is a really fun place when the team is playing well and they've been playing well, you know, for much of this season, uh, mm-hmm. last season as well, to be honest, but, um, but they're, they're just in a really good run. I'm, I'm really happy that he's there to bring new life to the place. And I love what Steven Gerrard has been able to do. He's faced a little bit of adversity, been punched in the mouth and this is how they've responded now. So mm-hmm. 
I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. Yeah, I mean, as a Villa fan, you must be like where they come from and with the firing of the last manager who is, did a fantastic job, where were they going to go from there? Um, and they play great football. I, I actually wa- like watching them play. Coutinho yeah. uh, now, I think the big question is, can they keep him? Mm-hmm. Can they? Because if they can, and he's that tight with Gerard, and they want to build something there, then you're talking next year that you can get into the conference league. Yeah, then you, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Next next year, you're talking Sammy Hippia. You're talking uh, Suarez. You're talking who are these other ex teammates? Well, is he is he showing too much though that it makes you a bit concerned that perhaps a bigger club, a Champions League club, might come in for him, thinking, ah, this kid's still got something in the tank. I watched. I was with you, and our eyes were focused on someone else. But I was with you watching Coutinho shine in the Champions League final, and he still got sent back in a cardboard box and left to rot at Camp Nou after starring for Bayern. So no, I don't think so. I mean, there'll there'll be other suitors. To be honest, it comes down more to money. Do these Americans want to keep forking over what is a you know the highest wage Phil has ever had, uh, rumored to be three hundred thousand a week, if that. Um, are they are they hiring? Money. Are they paying the uh, it in entirely, or is that? Uh, I forget how it came through in the wash in the end. I think Barca had to pay a, a little bit of it, but yeah, you know, Villa a few years ago wouldn't have never been in a position to do that. They were hardly in a position to give Grealish uh, 150 a week to keep him away from Spurs a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, whatever it was. So yeah, you're right about Villa Park though. Villa Park, when it's buzzing and they're doing well, it's packed. Oh, oh, under the floodlights at night. Whew. Special place. Nope. Yeah, a lot of people in, in the game say that's their favorite stadium, you know, whether they play there or not. You know, they say it's mm-hmm. just the atmosphere, it's, it's tight, it's intimate. It's, it's just really, every, every time, time, you're, every time you're on the uh, M1 heading north through Birmingham, you see it every time you pass through Birmingham. It's one of the stadiums you can see. That mm-hmm. Walsall. Walsall's on the other side of the highway. <laughs> Have I told my Stephen Gerrard Villa Park story before? About standing in the players' tunnel as the they'd come off the bus. Uh, um, I, you may have done, but regale us again. Quick, quick story. So this is the 2012-2013 season. Does it involve him saying, "Okay, okay, I, I, okay"? <laughs> Similar. Yes, yes. That's exactly what it is. Uh, Forrest, you've heard this story. I don't no. think so. Okay. Unless it's so bad that I forgot about it. Well, but I'll tell you. Where uh, the the press officer had taken my brother and I down to the pitch, and he was going to leave us uh, on the pitch for warm up. Um, and we're walking through into this kind of weird entrance area, and I was first not realizing that on the other side was the players' entrance tunnel, literally from the bus. And so I open the door first, and it's like a very light door which swings wildly and smacks. Um, oh man, played for Chelsea played for Liverpool, just got kicked out of Turkey for, for month, not money laundering. What was it? Betting. Oh, you know who I mean? Very short striker. Um, Sean Dundee. No, no, he was with Suarez and, uh, and Coutinho. He was great at Liverpool. He was really Daniel short. Sturridge. Daniel Sturridge. Oh, Sturridge. Okay. Sorry. Long-winded story to get to Gerard. I hit Sturridge with a door, like bumped him. I apologize, and I commented his hair looks good. And then we stand in this tunnel. <laughs> And everyone in the tunnel is like a disabled child with their parents. And me and my brother are there. They actually were. You're not being nasty. They actually were. I'm not being nasty. Children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, absolutely. It was, uh, but it was, you know, we shouldn't, we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now we were caught because the entire team is coming in. 
Well, you could, have, so, you, could have, you could have hit one of the kids with the door, which would be even worse. Well, that would have been way worse. That Sturridge started on or the Or you pretend to be one of the kids yourself. <laughs> I just stood there on the wall, terrified, right? As all the players smiled at the children of the families and looked at us like, what are you doing here? So everyone comes by. What are you doing here? Where's your kids? <laughs> Steven Gerrard comes by, and my brother couldn't hold it in. He had to say something. And he just goes, hey, uh, good game, Steve. And he turns around and goes, yeah, right, okay. And I went, what? Of all the things you could have said in that exchange, like the most scouser thing ever is what happened. And I looked at my brother like, what are you doing? He's like, I couldn't hold it in. I just, I had to say something to him. I'm like, who calls him Steve? (laughs) I remember you meeting um, the great Ray Hudson in the corridors of BMO Field once. And just because you mentioned the kids, you know, at the game with their parents. <laughs> and, you know, Ray's a big character. And I think he said, hey, Ray, you know, it's uh, Brendan Dunlop. We've spoken on the radio before. And, and he spoke to you like you were this most special person in the world. Oh, Brendan. Oh, good to meet you, son. You look lovely. So happy to see you. You do a lovely job on the radio. And it's like almost patronizing, but it's Ray. So it wasn't patronizing, but it was so funny because it, it felt as if you were this really special child. Yeah, I do. It's better than who? (laughs) No, I did feel like that. And it looked like I was there with my dad because I was there with you clutching onto your uh, hand in the press gantry until Ray came around (laughs) and went running down the end to get a get a picture and a chat with him. Oh, that was funny. Uh, All right. So, by the way, Villa, by the way, 11th right now. Right. And they're tied in the table um, with. Uh, where are we here? With 10th place Crystal Palace, who won this weekend, by the way, as well. So it's going to be a good battle there. Mm. Wolves are dropping like a stone right now. They're seven points in eighth. So, yeah, it might be a bit too much for your boys this year, B. Um, but but top half is, is definitely possible with the way they're playing at the moment. So I hope you do it. Just what did you, you uh, did your boys see the Leeds, uh, Leeds game? Yeah, so they fell to Leicester 1-0. I thought they were pretty good in that game. And they, they weren't blown out by five goals. So isn't that just a is progress already on the Jesse Marsh? Well, that's what I said there. Instead of 5-2, it's 1-0. Yeah, they, they, they be, were unlucky. Fair, they were unlucky. Casper was good. Yes. Right? They didn't need that on the day. I mean, my goodness, they're having a hard time like creating any scoring chances. I think they had 19 shots. Not on net, but 19 shots. And, yeah. uh, Did you see uh, the Jesse Marsh? We discussed this on Friday. We discussed the Jesse Marsh press conference on Friday. Did you see it, B? I guess I not. Not in, no. not in Sports Center. Wasn't on Deportes. It. No, it was great. Get a chance this week. Check it out. He, he was very good. I thought he played mm. into it. He understood. He acknowledged the, the fact that he's American and that there's going to be a stigma attached to him. He even mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, he spoke about. Ted. How uh, Ted Lasso has not done the most for American footballers. Well, but you know what? He, he he said that, and but he also said he hasn't watched the series. And I think I if know. he actually watched the series, that might have helped them get the job because they think they got a Ted Lasso that actually knows something about football. Do you think he brought cookies to the meeting, <laughs> the interview? Maybe you know what? The Maybe he did. He didn't even know it. He didn't even know it. He, he is actually the real life Ted Lasso that knows about football. They got themselves a real deal. This amazing (laughs) original show you think is rewriting the global perception of what other people think of Americans? Yeah. As people? Yeah. Well, well, I tell you what, Jesse Morris mentioned about it as as it hasn't actually helped coaches. The the stigma of North American coaches. Sure. Sure. But I, I, I think, but he hasn't watched the series. I think it might have done him actually some good. Well, I think it helps the perception. 
in, in a way that, because, you know, over there, Americans are still seen as these big, gregarious, you know, um, egotistical loudmouths, right? Unfortunately. But you watch Ted Lasso, and he's the opposite. He's the loveliest guy in the world, right? He has, has very little ego at all. So I think maybe it's helping the whole perspective of Americans in, in UK. This he's is a, what Craig's arguing. He's a, yeah, he's a very... Uh, He's a very clever and experienced in Europe coach too. Like I, I think he, he gets it. Like I don't think I've ever seen any other American coach get it. And just the fact that he's he's so prepared for everything because he's knows he's going to get the only fact the only thing he's not prepared with is the fact that he hadn't watched Ted Lasso. But if he's watching football, I'll give him that. <laughs> right? He's not as bad as Dickie. He shows up in Toronto thinking. He's playing on natural grass. <laughs> no, he's not yeah. that stupid. He had five back surgeries. It's like, what's this? <laughs> he's done a bit more research. Yeah, He'll be at I all the boxing matches. and I just hope there's no Nate at, at Leeds who at first will learn and will worship the ground that, that Jesse Marsh walks on. But by the end of season three, he's turned his back and he's joined the arch rivals. Manchester United? United? What are you thinking, Nate? Jesus Christ. Rudy let me down that, dude. Love Nate's character. Have let you me just down. spoiled it for our friend, Craig Force, who I don't think has finished season two? You finished now, haven't you, Craig? You must have finished season two. I got, I got one left. Oh, God. Oh, God. I just gave it away. I'm sorry. He doesn't, even, right. he doesn't even know the names. It's fine. We'll just edit this part out of the podcast, then Craig will remember it, and then uh, watch it. <laughs> and everybody else who's on the last yeah. show. Um, no, it's, do you notice, though, uh, one thing... Uh, we've no, over the last week or so, uh, the questions about Abramovich and the situation at Chelsea and and whatnot. Um, in North America, the media would never ever be able to get to a situation. I don't think to be able to ask Thomas Tuchel the questions he's getting asked all the time, and I think he's handled it brilliantly. Like I really do, mm-hmm. in every way possible. I think he's handled it. Uh, even uh, this weekend, uh, they were chanting Abramovich's name uh, while they were doing the Ukrainian, uh, basically, w- weekend of support. Um, he yeah, came out and spoken. Just he just said it in a way that he didn't. He's not slaughtering his own fans, but it just it's a wrong time. It was just mm-hmm. it was the wrong time, and and I think he's done a really good job. But then it also spread it up to the Northeast to Newcastle, where Eddie Howe was asked because of his ownership, and that's not going to go away. And where does it end? You go to the Americans who are actually at Arsenal, Liverpool. Uh, Man United and say you're selling the arms to Man- uh, Saudi Arabia. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, just precisely like th- this is what the league got themselves into a long, long time ago by yeah. allowing this. You to can happen. always find some connection to something ill, right? So, but at what point is it not the manager's, you know, job to answer that? There's a and really it, good, yeah, really good tweet that I read literally just before we came on, guys. I wondered if I'd get to it. Rob Harris. Um, it, he quote tweeted Arsenal's post that football stands together and an Arsenal shirt with the Ukrainian captain's armband that everyone wore. Arsenal, when it didn't stand with Uzzel on the Uyghurs in 2019, quote, as a football club, Arsenal has always adhered to the principles of not involving itself in politics, end quote. And I think there's a lot of people that would have looked at their club or other clubs and kind of thought the same thing, you know? And if you're from another background that it's not as clearly a hey, military superpower, uh, changing the landscape and mm-hmm. you know 
causing. I, be, I believe Celtic, a Celtic football club, are fined. I believe for the Palestinian flags huh. at, at a game there, and the support for the Palestinians. So yeah, there's a double standard. There's a lot of hypocrisy. No question about it. Well, when FIFA and UEFA, you know, publicly say, "Oh, we're not political. We don't condone any kind of political messaging statements in our games," it's just complete hypocrisy again. Yeah, because of course they're political. You can't avoid it. And this goes beyond politics anyway, doesn't it? I think to a certain point. Yeah. One thing about FIFA too is that from, I mean, nothing that, uh, that happens on the planet you don't you can't attach football to. It's attached everywhere like nothing else right so they got everything the good the bad and the really really ugly at times they got it all and they've got to try to balance it around and they've done a poor job in the past we've got to hope that the you know this new setup is going to do a better job i think they certainly are but holy cow sometimes you know you wonder it's it's not their fault society is the way it is it's not their fault. They, you know, the I think generally speaking, football players, we sell the right image and the right message. And the Premier League was great today on selling the message of support to Ukraine. But is it for football to save the freaking world here? Because it's a mess. It's a mess. And if they were going to suspend it, they could probably find a reason to suspend, suspend everybody. They would go, hey, Canada, you, oh, yeah. what about your indigenous like uh, situation there? Uh, yeah, we didn't like that. You're out. Yeah. I know. Where's the line being drawn here, right? That's the point. And what what does that mean for the World Cup? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, great point. As, as we get as we get closer to Qatar and uh, finally see the thirty two all thirty two teams that will be there, the tension's going to turn to the hosts, right? How how does it not start there? And we've had the conversation before about you know Canada has waited so long to get back, and uh, it had to be this World Cup. It, it couldn't have been couldn't have been four years ago. Not that it was necessarily much better mm-hmm. in Russia. But that this this is the one. It's it's you know there is a a stain that feels like attached to it. That, there is there is, and I and I have tried to look into that as much as I can to see if there's any type of you know responsibility taken by uh, Qatar. And not that I find a lot of that, but I've seen that there is some legal changes as far as labor laws go, yeah. um, and time a day, and you know, an accountability for you know things. Uh, because the foreign governments in India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka, a lot of them that end up over there were as workers. They they can keep the track of at least the numbers of the ones that aren't coming back. So, uh, at least, you know, if they do things in the right manner and they start to make some changes, I think that's what's important that we see. What have they done lately? Like, what are they doing to improve their history and their their uh, what they how we pe- how they're perceived around the world, other than just awesome. sport washing. But are they are they legitimate substantial changes or is it just optics for a World Cup? You know, are we doing this this? You know, we 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 take us we don't know yet. You know, but you know, it'd be right. a, a good topic for a podcast on itself and, and get some some expertise on that because it is an issue and, and there's certainly it's certainly a tarnished World Cup already from from day one when they announced it's going to Qatar to what we've seen since then as well. You know, with mm. the migrant workers. So um, yeah, where does FIFA draw a line? I, I I don't know. I guess they've done the right thing so far, kicking Russia out of tournaments. Um, but mm-hmm. they did it because of the pressure and the backlash, I think. They weren't going to do it at first. In fact, they, they initially on that Sunday said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to let them play in neutral venues. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, it's it's tough. But, yeah, going back to Tuchel, I, I agree. I think he dealt with it really well, um, saying, you know, this the owner does what's best for this club. 
And that's really all I can speak about right now. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Tough times. Um, back to the football. Uh, so, yeah, Leeds lost to Leicester 1-0. Newcastle won again. I'm beaten in eight games now. The best run, I believe, in the Premier League right now. You mentioned Is Chelsea. Wild. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're soaring. They're going to be safe. It's worked out. What they did in January, even though they've lost uh, Trippier to injury, Eddie Howe's got this team playing for themselves and reinventing players. Joe Linton's looking fantastic in the midfield right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a good story. Arsenal beat Watford 3-2. Great game. Five great goals in that one. Did you see the goals in the Arsenal game this morning? Ooh. It wasn't a bad one. Watford 2. I think Hernandez, Hernandez was a pick of the bunch, wasn't Bicycle, it? yeah. Superb. Really good. Superb. Great day for goals. Mahrez had a real nice one, that, that volley, yeah. half volley. He did. Oh, I love Mahrez. Great strike. By the way, you're, you're right. That, that was That's hard. On the half volley to hit that and keep it down like that. I mean, it took a little yeah, neck. deflection, though. Yeah. It, took it wasn't a clean. Neck. Yeah. It makes a difference, right? Even though it's going top corner anyway, that nick takes, it tarnishes the goal, doesn't it? Even though it's not fair. Yeah, it does. But just the strike itself to hit it like that. I mean, how many guys hit the ball over the top of the bar about 30 feet? It's hard to keep down. Sancho, after Sancho scored, right? you're going to say the same thing, Charms. There was a great play that United had worked the ball forward, and they were must have been down to one at this point. And it got to Sancho, who was wide open, and they were able to get the ball over to him, and he just skied it, like me at co-ed league. When I finally <laughs> get a chance, and I just lean back so far because I'm so bloody excited. Like Kepa. Yeah. Did you see Kepa's yeah. penalty? Of course. Well, you're going. Still going. Still going. Yeah, broke a couple of um, windows. I, you know, I don't think we actually, we, we, let's not get into him, but, but Sancho, we didn't mention him in the United. I think Sancho is still young enough and has shown enough now that I think he'll be just fine. He, he could be a world-class player. But yes. anyway, that's yeah. like 35 minutes ago in the podcast. So I apologize <laughs> for any Sancho fans <laughs> out there. Um, Liverpool beat West Ham in the Forest. Sharman Derby 1-0. Sadio Mane with the goal oh. there. So uh, Craig is slipping away, isn't it, a little bit? You know, I'm happy for Liverpool, but... I thought West Ham must feel a little bit unlucky or feel a little bit like they should have got something from it. I thought they played well enough to, to get something. They had some good chances, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really good chances. But um, for Liverpool, it keeps the title alive as well. You know, keeps them right in does. there. they got a game in hand and they're six points behind. So that would have been massive from that standpoint. And they're playing each other soon, are they not? In April, yeah. In April. Yeah. yeah, that could be the big one. Uh, Liverpool, I believe, have the gold differential edge right now, just about as well, despite this weekend's results. Um, very quickly, mm-hmm. I'm running out of time here, but uh, across Europe, John David scored as Lille beat Clermont Foot 4-0. Uh, Milan beat Napoli late on Sunday. Big win for them. Milan in first place in the Serie A. PSG lost. Bayern Munich drew. What's happening in European football? Elsewhere domestically in MLS, Montreal lose. Vancouver draw. TFC be smashed oh. in the home opener. 4-1. Yuck. Poor performance. Thought defensively they were going to have things figured out, but you guys had a gr- great chat. Was on the last show talking about um, how short the preseason is? I forget who it was you were speaking with, but I'm pretty sure it was you. Yep. Talking about yep, just a, a shorter you know, preseason build. You can't really like work all, out all the kinks. That's what it was. It was You were speaking with Jimmy about what it must have been like to you know prep for this season and how really this is no you know, different than any other MLS season where it takes quite a while into the long season to really find your groove. And 
I think, you know, after that first game, TFC was a little lucky to come away with a point. They didn't play particularly well. Um, but then to come home, you know, a long-awaited home opener, I don't know, just the, the pressure got to them or the, the moment, the situation. I do think that they'll, they'll be all right come July, but rocky start for people who uh, much long-awaited group at, at BMO Field to to see the Reds there. I know Dave Starkey was there for the first time in two years. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think from that standpoint, they got away with it, you know, because everybody was just happy to be out watching – live football uh, again mm-hmm. but uh, um, for the fans out there that thought this was going to happen overnight uh, I think it's pretty clear it's not going to happen overnight so well lots of uh, rumblings about more players coming in and they better hurry up and do it because those kids are going to be okay but they're a very inexperienced bunch in some pretty key positions right now and I think we saw that on, on Saturday sounds like Crescito's not going to come as early as hoped uh, actually, uh, Fabrizio Romano tweeted that just before we recorded that he's uh, talks are off for him coming now. He's going to stick around at Genoa and come in July. Well, stick around, TFC. Just stay in the hunt somewhat until July. And then magically, Craig, it will just happen. Wave that magic wand and they'll become a world beater overnight. Because that's how it happens in MLS, right? Hey, just get yourself peak at the right time, right as you slip into that playoffs. Yep, yep. A hey, big record in uh, Charlotte in their home opener, B. Oh, yeah. 74,479 at uh, Bank of America Stadium for their yeah their home Amazing. opener against the, the Galaxy on Saturday. Wow. Yeah. What's crazy is that, like, that's now the record, right? That it wasn't bigger at Giant Stadium before that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, I, I didn't think that'd ever be top, but I also thought it was bigger than 73. The 73,019 um, in that 2018 final. Um, really good story from this. I don't know if you saw, uh, Sasha Kleshen had tweeted before this game um, that he uh, had gone to a children's hospital in 2010 and posted this photo uh, with this uh, sick child at this LA Children's Hospital and uh, whose parents ran into him in the lobby, Sasha Kleshen in the lobby before this game the night before, uh, saying that th- their son, this uh, kid from the hospital, Chris Hagart, was a rookie midfielder for Charlotte FC. So they played against each other and uh, did the shirt swap at the end, which was which was pretty cool and a nice story. At the time when we really need them, we we interviewed Sasha, didn't we? Be on the uh, hardcore soccer show once upon a time, I believe. Uh, I uh, Travis interviewed him. Uh, Travis was it tra- Payne <laughs> was yeah. it Travis? Okay, uh, Travis Payne went to training and uh, in a tunnel uh, gave him about fifty questions that ranged from like in a one-on-one battle with Messi, how many goals would you win by? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's a big yeah. Sasha Kleshton fan. Travis Payne Massive. was, uh, yeah, if Travis Payne was John Madden, then Sasha Kleshton was like his Brett Favre. There was no wrong that he could do. <laughs> uh, that was the reference I gave. From uh, from a nice story to uh, just this awful story from Mexico. And again, the news, Craig, it's, it's tough to know what's actually happened. Some reports locally are saying 17 fans dead in this riot between mm. Cretero and Atlas that happened on Saturday in the 63rd minute. Um, other reports are saying 22 people injured, two critical, no <laughs> deaths. We don't know what the story is right at the moment, but regardless, mm-hmm. terrible scenes in Mexican soccer. Uh, absolutely disgusting. And there's loss of life. Uh, we know that. Uh, I've talked to somebody at, in Mexico City. Um, there's anywhere between 11 and 22 people have lost their lives. All sorts of different reports coming, but there's um, certainly more. We we saw sadly on social media, which I'd never seen. You know, I've seen battles before 
Um, and even look at Heysel Stadium with Liverpool against Juventus. Uh, terrible scenes, a wall collapse, which was the main reason uh, when the Liverpool fans attacked the Juventus fans. But it was bad. But there just seemed to be, these guys seemed to be, they were going to kill. Like they, they were trying to kill. They weren't fighting. They weren't brawling. Like the back in the 80s when we saw, you know, pitched battles, they, nobody was trying to kill anybody. They were fist fighting, you know. It's a, it was a different level. They just, it, 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 just anger. And I, the one thing I saw today, it was the, the shortest form and uh, I saw that really sort of sums up Mexico and the, the reasons why we see this there. It's a, it's a real social problem, right? And I said, uh, when the entirety of our system from government to family are broken, when our labor is paid and sold cheap, so are our lives. People are angry, frustrated, and tired. So the moment they get a chance to grasp some control back, they take it, even if that means killing the person next to them. And that was wow. kind of the feeling I got from that. Like, yeah. I, it, it is. The whole fucking country is broken. It's a narco state. Every politician from the top to the bottom are bought. And if you're not bought, you're dead. Because as soon as they knock on your door and tell you, hey, by the way, this is how it's going to go because we know where your family members are. Like, this is reality of how it works down there. I mean, it's it's just unbelievably sad. And that's just the reality. And you just see those people fighting and it's just uh it's just a hor- horrible thing and where was the security by the way yeah no kidding yeah i know and yeah you hope that the truth will come out in the next few days but you do fear a cover-up here you know and, and what's happened so far with the, the various reports changing dramatically from the yeah. national level to the, the regional level i mean it's a yeah. it's a big problem there Last, last night when I went to bed, the Jalisco governor, um, at last play in Guadalajara, he'd said that there was zero deaths. I was like, if you'd seen the video from hours earlier, it's hard to, hard to believe that coming from the, the state governor. But yeah, you're right. The numbers are all over the place and, you know, yep. it might be days, I think, before we know the actual truth. Okay. Well, listen, boys, um, on Too that, we, we'll call it an evening. Um, Vancouver Whitecaps fans, we got something for you coming up next on Tuesday. Um, stay tuned for the podcast we told you we'd get to you at some point montreal will get to you as well i promise you um but this is fully prime the podcast shams forest and dunlop farewell on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.